Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in three, two, one. Thank you, Ivy. Let's appreciate her. Amen. Praise the Lord and good morning. We are just one minute to noon, so good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for coming for our Sunday. And I want to appreciate all the women in the house. Uh, Thank you so, so much. If you're a woman, just appreciate yourself. Thank you for uh, participating in the women conference that we are just about to conclude. Before I I preach, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Edna Kemani, and I'm married to Kemani, who today is here. He's a pastor, uh, by the way, at Kiambu Road. And so he's here. He's just seated there. He left his church today. (laughs) Just a stunt. This is the only time I get to. <laughs> so for those who don't know him, that's my husband. And together we are blessed like Wairimo with several children. Amen. So before I also start the sermon, I want to appreciate uh, two ladies uh, because today is a celebration service. Um, I want to appreciate Njoki. <laughs> and she has been so amazing from uh, yesterday together with her team, they've been able to carry the presence of God. And the women's ministry appreciates you and gives you lunch or dinner for two at Elementita Serena. <laughs> you can take me. The two, it's two. <laughs> So thank you so much. I know I would have appreciated the whole worship team, but uh, just allow me to appreciate her for the good job that she has done. I also want to appreciate another lady, and that is our outgoing chair lady. Yes, I am surprised. <laughs> I didn't want to tell her. But this lady has been uh, with the women, uh, serving in the women's ministry from 2017. She's one of the most dedicated person I've ever seen in my life. Perfect timekeeper, perfect planner, organizer, prayerful woman, a moderate Everything that you would find in Titus chapter 2, this woman exhibits. We have admired her, and when she told us she wants to take a break, all of us couldn't believe it, because we didn't think that we could fill her shoes. But she has been amazing, and I just want to appreciate Pastor Patricia. And together with your husband, I'm also giving you dinner for two or lunch at Elementita Serena. And may God truly, truly bless you for the service that you have given to the women's ministry. Victor, you see? (laughs) Thank you for also allowing her to serve with us from 2017. God truly, truly bless you. Our incoming chair lady is Nancy, but she's away in Taita for a family event. Uh, But uh, you know her. She's the one who was doing the video last week. And she is also uh, equally a great woman of God. And we want to celebrate her. Please let's appreciate our incoming chair lady. That is uh, Nancy Mwehaki. So thank you so much. Uh, Our theme for the conference was coming from the book of Psalms 11. Psalm 11. I was told it's Psalm, not Psalms. Psalm 11. And our theme was coming from verse 3. But I will ask us that we read uh, the entire seven verses. A very short chapter. This is what the Bible says. In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird? 
to your mountain. For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examines everyone. Um, sorry, he observes everyone on earth and his eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. On the wicked, he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. So this Psalm 11 um, is amongst the over 70 chapters written by David. As you all all know, the book of Psalm has several authors, but uh, this particular Psalm 11 is written by David. And it is not known at what exactly time in his life it was written. Maybe, many say that it was written maybe at the time when he was serving in the courts of Saul. And what he saw when he was serving there was violation and lawlessness in the courts. The law of Moses was being violated by Saul and the foundations of the nation and even of the uh, kingdom of Saul, the, the, the kingdom that Saul was ruling, was being destroyed. And so David wrote this song, or uh, it's a song actually, he wrote this song uh, to the chief um, director of music, chief musician, uh, probably most people think he was writing it to God, and uh, you know, one of the things I love about David is that he's such a relatable uh, man. He's an everyday kind of a man. So when you look at Psalm 11, you see him expressing himself. And even in other Psalms Psalm that he has written, he is an everyday relatable man. In Psalms 41 verse 9, we see him saying that he was betrayed by someone he ate bread with. So you can see he has faced betrayal. David is just a typical man, a sinner. We know that he, uh, he committed adultery and sieved grievously with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. He was just a relatable man. He lost his son, uh, whom, whom he got with uh, Bathsheba, so he understands loss and grief. He was also hated by his father-in-law. When he killed Dave, uh, Goliath, he was told by Saul that he would get his daughter as a reward. And so when he did marry Saul's daughter, Saul hated David with a passion because he became so favorable amongst uh, our people. And then David was a man of many enemies. Many people didn't like him uh, because he was a, a, a warrior, a king. Uh, or later became a king, but he was a warrior. And at times, many people consider him a bloody man. Uh, his hands were full of blood. So many times he was fleeing and running away because of the enemies that he had uh, gained in his uh, uh, military prowess. So Psalm 11 is divided in two parts. There are two voices that you hear in the book of Psalm. The first voice that you hear is the voice of fear. 
You see him being told, flee like a bird to the, your mountain. For behold, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrow on the string to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? That is the voice of fear. They say that he had friends at that time that were really alarmed for his safety. Saul was a vicious man. Saul was a vengeful man. And he was after the life of David. And so his friends were aware of the, uh, the, lack, uh, the danger that was surrounding him. And they were advising him. They meant well. They were telling him, please go to the mountains. Where, you know, David would really hide in caves and all that. And so they were telling him, please run because this guy will finish you. And he says, just disappear and hide. They say, flee like a bird. They were all about self-preservation. They were giving him advice that was not based on faith, but was based on fear. You know, I was, I've just read, finished reading a book called Do Not Disturb, and it is a documentation of the Rwanda genocide. And one of the things that you see in that book is that they, uh, the, the book really describes the way the generals of war in Rwanda would flee to different countries because of fear of assassination. They would go to France or uh, uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and hide there because of the threat of the day. And even in our nation, we have seen people flee because of the threat of the day. And that I understand when they tell David, flee because your, your life and the life of the people around you is really at stake. That is exactly because I, I'm using the Rwanda, the story of Rwanda or even here in Kenya just for relatability to because we have seen people flee for safety. And that is exactly what David is being told. They were saying that your life in, is in danger and you, if you stay here, you will be finished. Then the other voice was the voice of faith. You know, one of the things about, uh, I love about David is that he was a man of unwavering faith. He was a man, yes, of many enemies, a relatable man, an everyday man, nothing extraordinary about him, just very uh, anointed by God and able to fight and had very strong army. You know, he was an everyday man. But one of the things about David is that he was a man of unwavering faith. And God even testified of him that this is a man after my own heart. In verse 1, the way he begins it is a game changer. He says, in the Lord I take refuge. And then from verse 4, he says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is, in, is on his heavenly throne. His eyes are watching closely. They examine the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked. And he continues on to give of his personal testimony and his perspective and understanding of God. Even though danger was looming, and even though he was a man who was always in constant uh, you know, threat, he did understand where his strength came from. You know what David is saying? I trust God. I trust God. David had fled in different times, like I said earlier. But according to a commentary I read by Charles Spurgeon, he said, if this particular time of Psalm 11, the documentation of Psalm 11, if David would have fled, it would have meant that he was being sinful, he was being a coward, or lacked faith in God, and would be neglecting his duty to the king or to the, uh, to the nation. 
You know, it's not always a sin to flee. There is a time for taking cover. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 22 verse 3, that the wise, they see danger and they take refuge. But the fool or the simple, they keep going and they pay penalty. So oh, it's not always a bad thing to flee. But in this particular time, because of the assignment and the role that David had, it was not necessary. Or it, if, he, if he fled, it would have meant that the name of God would have been embarrassed. David's response to his friend was almost of outrage. Of, uh, was almost of outrage. He asked them, "How can you tell me to flee to the mountains like a bird?" He's almost annoyed that they are telling him to go to the mountain. Uh, he's here stood a moment where David was being tempted to distru- distrust God and to take himself to safety. But what he's saying is that, no, I will not go. This time I will be steadfast. And he sings Psalm 11 as a song of his steadfastness. That I will be loyal. That I am dedicated. That I am firm and I am unwavering. That is exactly what David is saying. So this song of steadfastness, we can also sing it today as a church. It is possible for you and I to stand like David in the midst of a threat that is evident and say that in uh, the Lord I take refuge. And that's the first thing that I want us to know. As for us to sing that song of steadfastness is for us to begin by saying or making a resolve in our hearts that we will trust the Lord and not uh, and take refuge in him and not run. He is actually saying, what if I die or what if I live? What does it matter? Like I say, David was a warrior, a king and a killer. You know, I, I know people don't think of him uh, that way, but he actually, he was a killer. But he's cognizant of the fact that those are not the things that make him great. But his trust and, refu- uh, his trust and uh, refuge was always in God. He could have easily said, I killed Goliath, who is Saul? I can overthrow this government. I have mighty men. They say that David had great mighty men of war. So he could have, he have easily boasted uh, of his strength and even boasted of the people the army that he had created but he is resisting the temptation to protect himself and to take control in his own own hands and so he begins by saying I know I'm celebrated in Israel but in the Lord I take refuge that is a good place for you and I to begin. When we face trials, when we face loss, when we face doubts, when we are tempted, when we have questions about our faith, we always begin by what we know to be true, that God is good. It matters what you know. With little knowledge, you can be, sw- you know, you can be shaken. But with great knowledge and confidence in God, you remain an oak of righteousness. The second thing that David says in the Psalm 11 is that God, no, we can learn from David, is that he knows that God is available. He says that God is in his holy temple. The Lord is, his, uh, is on his heavenly throne. And he observes everyone on earth and his eyes examine, uh, examines them. He reigns 
God is he's saying God reigns and even today we want to say like David and sing that song of steadfastness that even in our moments of panic and I know for the last two years there has been a lot of panic and a lot of us have faced uh, uh, danger like David was facing some of us we have lost jobs some of us have lost loved ones and it has been tough for some people and tough maybe even I think for all of us we have experienced the danger but God is still reigning. It never changes that he is sovereign, which means that there is no one or nothing that is above him. There is nothing that is done in heaven, earth, or on earth, on or hell, that he does not overrule or see. You know, he gives us reason for our hearts and reason for our mind to find peace. When you know that God is available, your heart and your mind finds peace. As humans, we love to control things and manage outcomes. But when we cannot control things, we go into a frantic mood and we believe that really things are out of control. I will be honest with you. When I got born again a few years ago, not a few, several years ago, when I started reading the Bible, uh, one of the verses that gave me the hardest uh, what, uh, time to understand was a verse that says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I was asking myself, God, you don't, okay, you don't want help a little bit. I will be honest with you is that I can be, I, I was, though sometimes the embers, they are there. Very, I, I love, um, I don't know how to put my, put it in such a way that you don't use this against me. You have to promise me you will not use it against me. But one of the things is that I really love to control things and I really love to see, I'm the kind of a person by the time I start something I want, I am seeing the end and if the end is not the way I had planned, I really get frustrated. I used to be extremely vindicative and also I would love to defend myself. I would waste a lot of time trying to explain things and all that. But over time, God has really worked on me. I have learned that uh, releasing control is actually an act of humility. It is extreme humility from our side when we say that, God, I don't understand this matter. And if you're like me, and I don't want to ask you to raise your hand, where you feel like, I know this season, that is exactly how we have felt. Like we are not able to hold and to uh, touch, you know, the outcome and even see, control the outcome. If you are like me, I want to submit to you that relinquishing control is such a humbling thing to do. When you say, God, I don't know, but if I die, you say like David, in God, I take refuge. And what David is actually saying, if I die or if I live, what does it matter? That is a humble man. The third thing is that David says is that God is just. And today we need to remind ourselves that God is just. You see, God serves us justice in two ways. And I will get a little bit complicated, but don't worry, I will explain. God serves justice to the righteous and to the wicked. 
To the righteous, he serves them justice that is called distributive justice. That is where he comes and sees all the injustice that is done amongst men and amongst people. And he comes and avenges for his people. And that was a lesson that I was learning. That there is a vindicator. That there is an avenger. That you don't have to constantly fight for yourself and defend yourself. But there is a God who serves distributive justice to the righteous. And then there is the retributive justice, which is the justice that he serves to the wicked. He says that God, the Bible says that God hates violent men and he hates them with a passion. You know, there are people who sit and scheme and plan wickedness. Those people, God sees them. The people who sit to oppress the poor. The people who sit to oppress the widows. The people who grab land from the widows. God sees those. The people who bend their bows, bows to shoot the righteous man. The Bible says that God hates such men with a passion. And one of the things I've realized is that there is so much wickedness that we, have no, uh, we cannot even imagine. When you lay on your bed, there are some people who are not sleeping. All they are doing is planning wickedness. And the Bible says those people that plan wickedness, especially against the righteous, God says that he hates them with a passion. And he will serve justice to them, the retributive justice. Many times we question God and we ask him, God, don't you see this injustice? Are you doing something about it? Are you even concerned? You look so aloof. Will you act? Is this even God fair? Will you save me? Will you help me? And then most likely than not, we despair. We are double-minded and we are not loyal. You see, God's justice is rooted in his character. Like I said earlier, what you know is a game changer. If you know somebody's character, it is likely for you to trust that person. And one of the things that is in God's character is that he, at the core of God's character, is justice and righteousness. Even at the cross, he was serving justice. Justice is the same word, root word in Hebrew, meaning righteousness. It means the same. Those two words are used inter interchangeably in scripture justice and righteousness so when he was uh, christ was hanging at the cross he was serving justice justice that you could not give yourself justice that you did not even ask for yourself you didn't even know that you were a sinner the bible says while you were yet a sinner christ died for you you didn't even know that you needed justice but on the cross he served justice the Bible says that his kingdom, uh, his, uh, the, the scepter of his kingdom, or that thing that he rules with the scepter, is a scepter of justice and of righteousness. That is Psalms 45 verse 6. You know, in conclusion, there is constant peddling of fear from the media, from friends, or from family, even our own minds, we are being asked, if your foundations are shaken, what will the righteous do? And most likely than not, we have said there is nothing that we can do. We look around and we see our foundations are being destroyed. There is lawlessness. Yes, there is a law to be followed, but people break it. There is relativeness. 
where it is withheld in the society where people say don't disturb my truth my truth is my truth and your truth is my truth do not judge me i saw someone a lady come out saying that she was uh, she has she's a lesbian or something and i watched that docu- uh, whatever that ted talk and she was saying this is my truth i want to submit us that there is only one truth and that is the absolute truth of christ jesus christ having many truths is relativeness but we need one truth that can save us the other foundation that has been shaken is people seeking the highest form of pleasure we have become lovers of self and lovers of this of this world they call it hedonism is where people are uh, you know you 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 get a certain level of pleasure then you realize it's not it's not kicking it the way you want you go to another level and people constantly are looking for a high and we have not learned what it is like to crucify the flesh and to live by the spirit the foundations of families have been shaken the idea of one man and one woman in one lifetime is compromised i've never seen a time when people have devalued the foundation of family and marriage like now the doctrine of the church has been compromised another foundation that has been compromised doctrines and people have come to a place where they say i will never go to church again i will not give again i will never serve again because of the compromise of the doctrine of the church the foundations are shaking and so when we see as a body of christ these foundations being shaken and being undermined then we ask ourselves what will the righteous do shall we live by fear Are we going to be hopeless? Are you going to flee like a bird to the mountains? Are you going to self-preserve? No, we'll sing a song like that of David. We will remain steadfast. That we will trust and take refuge in God. That we know that our God is in heaven and he sees and examines our hearts. We know that God is a God of justice and we cannot con- go on serving justice for ourselves for we are limited to serve justice for ourselves but God who is a God of justice his kingdom is that of righteousness he's able to make a way of escape and to avenge for the wicked I want us to stand in the presence of God even as we are asking what will the righteous do we shall take refuge in god god is powerful beyond our own strength and i want us to go before the lord and ask him god look around because you say that your eyes see and they examine look god and see foundations shaking foundations of family foundation of uh, the nation the foundation of the church rather the gathering sometimes we see the foundation shaking foundations shaking and we are asking god what shall we do we shall not be hopeless we shall be like david we shall put our trust in you god for some of us we have gone through tough times some we may not even be able to speak before men because of the heaviness of the things that we have gone through 
Some of us here are not even able to pay rent. Some of us, God, are not, they, have, they, have not been, they don't have a source of income. Some of us, God, our faith has wavered and we are sinking. God, you know each one of us who is here and you know where our foundations are shaking. For some, it's a loss of loved one. And God, we are wondering what will happen to me because my foundation has shaken. Oh God, we look up to you. David could have easily proud, you know, been proud because of his own strength. Such a mighty man of war. He could have uh, you know, been proud because of the great people surrounding him. Instead, he said, the Lord is in heaven. And that's what we want to say today, that God, you are in heaven. We shall not undermine your power in heaven. We shall not undermine what you are able to do. Come, God, and vindicate your people. Come God and come through for your people in a way only a God like you can. And we pray where Lord we may not be able to speak or defend ourselves that you God shall speak on our behalf. When Saul is waging war with his army that you God will speak on our behalf oh Father. Lord we shall not flee but we shall look up to you and you shall strengthen each one of us. I just want to invite the pastors and the elders and the deacons that are here. And I want you, if you're here as we celebrate this um, theme of the, of the Women Conference, if you're here and your foundations have shaken and your faith is going low and you're wondering, is there justice for me? We want to pray that today that God will minister to you. I just want to ask the, uh, the prayer counselors and all that to come to the front. And you who is there who wants to be prayed for, to come and to know that you can put your trust in God. If a man like David, such a strong man, did not pride himself in his own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. Today, pride yourself in the, in the, in the strength of the Lord. We shall stand. We shall be steadfast.